Hey guys, this is Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Very fortunate to have Ashley Dwyer on the program today. She's a massage therapist, educator, and colleague that works in North Carolina. We've been um, sort of working with each other at a distance, uh, trading back and forth ideas, sometimes late in the evening. Uh, Ashley, can you give them a little bit of information about yourself and where they can contact you online? Um, sure, yeah. So I'm a massage therapist in North Carolina, and I teach continuing ed. And I also do some coaching, consulting, and I work for a company also called Who Can. Um, you can find me online. We have a group called the Massage Innovation Network for Therapists, and you can visit us online at the Massage Innovation Network for Therapists.com. <laughs> nice. So, uh, is there anything specific that you wanted to talk about today, or what's uh, coming up for you first? Well, I guess right now what I'm working on is I'm working a lot with a company called WhoCan, and WhoCan is a app that fills appointments for today and tomorrow. So if you have last minute openings and last minute cancellations, you know, if you're a little bit slow right now, but you've opened back up, then it allows you to just post those openings and then we have clients that come in and fill that. So you get a new client essentially. Nice. How long has the app been around? So they started development on the app last year and I kind of helped a little bit with, you know, developing like what we wanted in the app, you know, how the best way it could, you know, function for massage therapists and different people that had appointments. Um, and then they launched in October. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I never know what's going to happen on the app landscape. Um, Occasionally, when people start pushing the edges in the massage industry, they start talking about an app, or they'll ask if I have an app for my subscription service, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not coding yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know offhand, like I'm trying to think uh, apps-wise, since that's the first time I remember coming up on the podcast, I'm trying to think if there are other specific apps that people are using. Most of it is probably online scheduling software with some sort of online components. Right. So I know personally for a lot of my business stuff, we use Wix and Wix has got a app component to it. So you build your website and then it converts it into an app. Yeah. Um, other than scheduling softwares, you know, I don't think there's too many apps, so to speak in the massage industry or apps funneling people, you know, unless you include Groupon for the most part, you know, Groupon's kind of a dirty word. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird scene. I don't know what's going to happen. I've had people ask me about what they think is the most innovative thing that's happened in the massage industry in a certain time frame, And if they give me within the last like 10 to 20 years, I always tell them online scheduling, online scheduling completely changed the game for how people book services and, you know, they can look at your schedule, actually pick a time slot. But prior to that, having to send text message or phone calls back and forth it took up a lot of time. Yep. Scheduling on paper. People can't see what you have on paper, you know, where people can go in with most of these booking websites and book up to two hours before the appointment. So it's kind yeah. of, it's kind of lucrative for us, you know, yeah. as an industry to be able to have people book online. I, I have a very low volume of clients and I thought I didn't need online scheduling because why well, just schedule them via text? What's the problem? 
But what I found was people could go in at like three o'clock in the morning because they woke up or whatever. They could schedule the appointment online. And then even if it was a day or two later, it was like, oh, because they couldn't have, or I wouldn't have wanted them to call at that time to try to schedule. So uh, it just seemed to make much more sense when they could see your schedule, see what was available. Yes, absolutely. Oh, what do you um, see with uh, with COVID right now with like online education? Since that's what you and I have a lot of uh, conversations about is CE classes, education, online, online instruction seems to be all the rage at the moment. Um, lots of vitriol and foul words going across massage forums, people complaining. What do you think is going to happen like when things start to go back to normal? Like, in other words, how much is online education going to tip? Like how much is it going to change in our industry? Because I don't feel like people really gave it much credit prior to this. Right. Well, you know, so here in North Carolina, the first day that they canceled school for the kids, the North Carolina massage board announced that this year they would allow all the therapists to do their continuing education online. There are not a lot of providers in North Carolina that have online hours. So the majority of therapists were going online and doing, you know, the free CEUs with AMTA, AMBP, um, Massage Magazine, and a lot of those of us who, you know, teach live, we're doing a lot of refunds because we don't know whenever we're going to be able to reschedule classes and whatnot, you know, but almost all the providers that I know have been, you know, working to get a online platform up and going. So maybe it will build the credibility of online classes so that more people will take them because now you're going to have a huge influx of providers providing online stuff. However, remember when we talked before about the live online and when that became approved, I thought that was going to be, you know, the next big thing. And I was kind of surprised that there hasn't been more live online. So here's, here's where, you know, you and I had this conversation and essentially I've been teaching online for three years um, or more. And if you want to go further than that, it was workbooks and DVDs. If you consider that online, but the subscription service we started three years ago was like, I literally had other educators going, I don't understand what's a subscription service. And I went, Oh, wow. Like I, I didn't, I didn't realize I like broke the, the platform, you know, like they didn't even understand how I was delivering information. What I get from other educators when I describe to them what I'm doing is they're like, you don't like record everything, do you? And I go, well, yeah, I just record my classes and private trainings and just upload it. And they're like, what? They're like, dude, they're not going to come take your classes if they can learn everything online for free. And I go, huh? Like, I don't understand that mentality at all. I think most of what I see the for educators, at least, is they don't want to teach online because they feel like giving stuff away for free devalues the in-person class. Yeah, so we have done a couple free online classes, and we haven't had attendance. You know, and I think it's just because everybody's so focused on what's going on and, you know, people are probably enjoying themselves a little bit being home with their families and their kids that it's not really, you know, it's not really a priority. Um, I know a lot of therapists wait to the last minute or renew late. Last year, we had more therapists in classes during that late renewal period before the end of the year because our, our licensing renewal starts, I think it's, it's like, July 31st and it lasts till November 1st. I had more students in November and December before that second late renewal date 
you know, than I had the rest of the year. So I'm kind of predicting that we're still going to have a lot of late last minute people, you know, and that might not affect some of the live continuing education providers as much. You might still have people that, you know, show up for classes at the end of the year, or at least we're yeah. I, I mean, I sat back and everybody all of a sudden it was like telehealth. That word kept coming up in massage groups and therapists were kind of going online, showing, showing clients how to work on themselves. And people were raising questions about insurance and liability and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm going telehealth, like you guys like have completely poo-pooed online education the entire time I've been around. And now all of a sudden, because you're forced to, it's like, oh, you can learn online. And I'm like, can you? <laughs> like, I've been quite successful teaching online, you know, and continue to build curriculum. Like, I think from a value proposition, I just go, can I give more value than the other educators? And I continue to do that. But the challenge is, once I started doing online education at a very low price point, there's just this huge disparate thing between $7 a month and $400 for a class that lasts a weekend. That's like price wise, like this is much more affordable and you're also interacting with them in like an ongoing way, like in small snippets and bursts. I think what you've done though, is you've built your credibility with your online classes. And that's made people want to pay that for that higher level, you know, hands-on class with you because they've gotten to know you and you've built that rapport through teaching online. That's so how I want more. <laughs> well, I mean, right now the vault, when we started, I made sure we had, I think 50 hours of like footage because I didn't want people to like watch it all and then just be like, well, why would I pay for this? So I, I watched it all. So we started with 50 and then every week I upload new stuff. Well, now we're at 500 hours. The issue is when somebody new comes in, they go, well, what do I watch? Like, oh my God, like I can't. And I'm like, just calm down. <laughs> you don't have to watch it all in a sitting. You just watch the stuff that you're interested in and you can, you know, keep like a spreadsheet or keep tabs on what's there. So you can just go through it systematically. So for instance, I've got sections on like, business and social media marketing and I like screen share my Instagram and talk about hashtags you know if you're not interested in Instagram or interested in social media marketing then you can just watch the stuff on technique and the technique can be broken down it's like here's table stuff here's mat stuff here's specific conditions whatever I just continue to try to feed the students at a distance and I think you're correct the online component just added to my credibility and it also for the student who did take this, they're like, ah, I don't like online. Okay, cool. So they take an in-person class, but then after the in-person class, they'd go, hmm. And they'd check out the online stuff and go, oh, because now it's a supplement, mm -hmm. which is essentially how it's designed anyway. It's not because I don't want to teach in person. It's just because a $400 price point and getting somebody to travel, because half the time the students want me to come to like, it feels like they want me to come to their house, not only their town, but like, they don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> right. So I recorded a class last year. Um, we started in, I guess it was May with Shiloh from Simply Earth. And we have this whole aromatherapy course. And, um, you know, we bought all this equipment and then we can figure out how to use the equipment. And then we did our first class and we recorded it and turned around and the quality was terrible. Mm. You know, so she came back out and we filmed it again and we did it a different way. And then we waited for the video editing 
you know, and we waited forever for the video editor. And yeah. we had originally planned to use Teachable. Then we decided we were going to use Learn Worlds. And then I talked to Jason Carter with Appointment Hero, and he built us our own CE platform. Yeah. Um, so we're currently working on getting everything there. But, you know, just out of curiosity, like, how do you, how do you set up to film your courses? I'm so, sure somebody's asked you that before. Yeah, this is all piecemeal. And this is where you get into like software, which is not my industry. It's not what I wanted to get involved in. But the more online stuff I do, like I, I literally just feel shy of a programmer at this point, because I have to sit down and figure out how to connect various pieces of software. And then that gets inordinately complex. So we had my website and my website was up with WooCommerce through WordPress. Mm -hmm. I was able to list classes. I was able to list physical retail and we very shoddily had online distribution that was connected to um, Amazon three, Amazon cloud storage. So Amazon S3. So when people would buy a digital thing, it would kick out a link and then they'd click the link and it was downloading from Amazon, either videos or workbooks they ordered. So we had that. The problem was once I had an online platform, it was like teachable. Teachable seemed to be the, the least expensive and also the, the easiest to like navigate, um, especially as a beginner. So we started stuff on Teachable, but now what happened was you've got two websites to an outsider. And here's the thing, Teachable's designed as sort of like a paywall for online classes. Mm -hmm. It's not designed to sell physical goods or other stuff. So now the problem was, well, like people would sign up on Teachable, sign up for their thing, then go to my website and go, I want to unsubscribe. Where do I unsubscribe? I don't understand. And I'm like, you're not on the right website. <laughs> so what we did was we basically ousted my original store and created a Shopify store. Now it's connected to my website, but it's actually a new store. And what this allowed was we could sell physical goods. We could sell digital goods. We could sell whatever I needed to sell, including in-person classes. And we would now have to link these online courses through this store. Does that make sense? Right. So there's occasional software issues uh, connecting that stuff, but we're getting better at streamlining that process. And even I understand it more. Um, when students talk to me and they're like, I don't understand Instagram. I'm like, oh, that's not my problem. <laughs> like, I have much deeper seated because right. what you want as a business owner is like, just like you're working with a piece of uh, software, like an app, you know, you were looking at different programs. You couldn't get the camera. The editor took forever. You want all in one. Right. You want to be able to like, okay, I can list a class, sell a workbooks. Get, you know, I can have everything in one spot. And the problem is, Oh no. Um, just Facebook. How long have you been on Facebook? I think nine years. Yeah. Have you like, think about what Facebook was like when you first got on it compared to now. Cause it's like, I'm like, I'll, I'll try to have an event and I'm like, God, so I can't have the event through the group. Now I got to have the event through my business page, but then do I share from my business page into this group? It's like, Oh my God. Like, it's so complicated. 
so complicated. And then you have like the business page and you have ad manager and you know, all that fun stuff too now. And it's like, Oh, the little pieces. Yeah. And I try, I try to make it as simple as possible. And what I also notice is like, there's an FAQ on my website. No one reads it. I know they don't read it because the questions that me. So we have a subscription service. The subscription service is complete for the first month, $7 a month after that. Mm-hmm. I really, an email, an email, Robert, please unsubscribe me from the subscription. So now I have to do clerical for something that I was giving away for free and then I'll charge seven bucks. So I have to go in and now I have to figure out if they're on Teachable, figure out if they I have to check all of this and then make sure that, you know, they're on or whatever. It's like, I have to go through all this clear because they don't want to go to their account and log in and unsubscribe. Like it's confusing. It's like, okay, you might have to click a button and actually read what's on the screen. (laughs) I knew with like my staff, I had purchased them all a subscription to your website. So I don't have access to their logins. They have their access to their logins. So if they quit, I would have to email you and say, hey, Robert, I need you to cancel this for me. (laughs) And it's totally acceptable. You listen to this, don't feel like Robert's an asshole. He doesn't want to tech support. It's like, no, no, no. (laughs) It's just that you have to understand that I'm a body worker. I wanted to do body work and teach body work. And now I do. Absolutely. Like I can look at your face, you know, in this conversation, even though it's at a distance, I can get a sort of feel what's going on um, energetically, emotionally, whatever. When I work with people online, when something a problem, that thing doesn't work. I want this. And it's like, you always read it from this, like, I hate you, <laughs> you know, like tone. And what I do is I say, oh, Gwendolyn, listen, um, here's a link. If you go into your account, you can go ahead and unsubscribe right here. If you have any problems with the account, please let me know. I really appreciate your subscription, whatever, with a, with a smiley face. If you add a smiley face, it's a huge difference. And then you, you sign a Robert. Their response, once I've responded to them, and sometimes they'll send me an email, might respond in five minutes. They're like, oh, oh, thank you so much. Because they just don't know what's going on. So they, they don't understand that there are two websites. Right. They want, like, well, why isn't this the same thing? I, I went there and they're meant to do this. I was teachable. Can I just take like teachable and like install it? page so to speak so that this is the portal because that would make things a bit easier even though it's multiple pieces of software sure sure have you ever used a va to answer some of those emails and do some of that back end work some um it's it's a little challenging standardized so for instance um, right now, because I don't have a lot else to do, a little bit of tech support doesn't bother me too much. The problem is, if I'm heavily seeing clients, if I'm heavily teaching classes, if I'm heavily teaching online, developing and then after an something that was free, I'm like, come on, man, really? <laughs> so that's where this can get backed up. If I don't answer I think they think I just didn't get it. Yeah. 
for like a but what I find you're creating a sort of template to apply that template, you know, to a different situation, a different situation, and trying to develop that original template is what takes the most amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, different VAs, it would also depend, like, well, basically, and you got to train somebody. Right, right. We've had we've, we've been fairly lucky that we've been able to hire VAs and, you know, train them to do something once. And then they were able to train their replacement, you know, so that's been nice. I know that's not a lot for, or it's not, it's not going to happen that way for a lot of people, but you know, at the same time, you know, sometimes if you write it out once or you make a training video once you can turn around and, you know, give it to somebody again and make it part the, of their training. The, the biggest issue is, um, you know, software typically does what it does when you want it to do it. The, the biggest thing that I think I've blown money on has been photographers. I've almost learned to get a little nauseous saying that word. Some agency understands algorithm, Facebook, Instagram, who basically is a camera guy. Mm-hmm. But like he wants to charge thousands of dollars to do whatever it is he does. Has no degree, not a huge catalog of like background and information. You know, it's like basically he can read FAQs and pressure I've gotten from videographers I've worked like I, I need more money. I need more money. I'm like, uh, you need to make me more money. Like I can't. I don't know where you come from. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've got a book coming out in August and one of the biggest expenses in the book was having to hire a photographer to do, you know, a couple pictures and headshots for the book, you know, so I totally get photographers are expensive. Yeah. I mean, even, um, and the person who for my uh, workbooks and, and, ordinarily good job but even she and I clashed a couple times about fees and things the difference was with Anne Anne is one of the people that I hired that she charged a lot or for me I'm tightwad I'm Scottish by ancestry so I make a nickel squeal um but when I did hire her she did an inordinately good job with very little like input it was just like is this what you're looking for like she made sure to get a lot of information about it and once she produced it was solid very very soft. very little like back and forth the videographers are different because sometimes these young guys start digging through my infrastructure and they're kind of why are you selling your goods on facebook and i'm like i'm not sitting down and figuring out how to integrate this when facebook keep denying the, the item like like yeah it's like once you start dealing with facebook and
There we go. And uh, where were we? We were discussing software, like integrations, connecting stuff. Yeah, Facebook. We were talking about Facebook too. Oh. Yeah, because I mean, it, it, at a basic level, just to be able to create a post on your personal feed is one thing. But once you add a business page and then an ad manager and then like Facebook groups, and it just becomes this behemoth. It does. It does. You know, and it's impossible to just sit down every day and post all the stuff. You have to schedule it out. You know, you have to have the integrations. You have to pay for the extra scheduling software you know, and all the stuff to schedule out the posts so you can sit down and do it at once and not have to continuously just be logging on to Facebook and kind of wasting your day away. Otherwise, we don't get anything done. The social media marketing course I'm uh, developing right now, because I have a lot of time at home with my computer so I could screen share, show how I was using social media. Uh, one of the things I noticed when I talked with students, because I would bring them on and have conversations, is they kept asking for something like Hootsuite. They wanted to make a post once and then have it post to all platforms. They're like, well, can I just do that? And I'm like, mm, no, not if you really want to engage with people. <clears throat> I mean, you could run a banner ad, so to speak, is what it feels like, but it's like just connecting you know, Facebook and Instagram may be one thing. But like trying to get it to post also to Twitter in the same way, like Twitter is just a different platform. You don't like yeah. Twitter? I am not a fan of Twitter. <laughs> I am, I am not um, short and concise for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a different, I love Twitter for various reasons, but each platform is different. And I think the difference is it's not that I don't want ease um, and I don't want people to be able to post easily across platforms. It's that the way people receive something on YouTube is just not the same in the way they receive it on Facebook. Like they're right. different, they're used in different ways. And that's where things get complex. And when I start explaining that, it's a little bit like saying HBO and Cinemax aren't the same. Well, they understand that the programming is the same, but the way it comes in through their cable channel is the same. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think that's like that with social media, though. It's like so. For the most part, marketing tactics are the same. Your social, like your ideal clientele, is the same. However, you know, HBO and Cinemax is two different brands. They have two different brand identities, so they're going to have different brand strategies to get people to engage. So you can use the similar marketing if your marketing is on point and you know what you're doing with marketing. You know, otherwise you're just spreading around a bunch of information to the same place. But, you know, if you look at it this way, so I know like our Buffer account is hooked up to LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, you know, each one of those areas, I have a different kind of market, a different kind of user, yeah. you know, so I might cater those posts more to that target market that I'm engaging with on that platform a little bit differently than I would, you know, for example, like if it was Facebook and you're engaging more with like, you know, massage therapists versus LinkedIn, I'm engaging more with like professionals, like, you know, with different industries, you know, yeah. so you would post different things. But as far as marketing strategy goes, for the most part, marketing is the same. Yeah, it's yeah. just that it's contextual. So like when you said that you're not terse you know, Twitter is in your favorite because it's not long form posts. Mm -hmm. It's like little, little short snippets, right? It's tweet. Yeah. I've just never, I've just never had any luck with Twitter. 
you know, like we've used Twitter for years. I've never had clients that came in from Twitter. So we just stopped using it. Well, then I have to get in the conversation. This makes all therapists angry. I'm like, it's not about getting clients. It's about building fans and followers. And they're like, Ugh. listen, somebody in New York cannot get a session with me. Like this is useless. And I'm like, mm, I disagree, but you know, it's like everybody's strategy. I'm like, listen, if you don't like Twitter, don't use it. Go, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, whatever you think does work, learn to use these and then slowly expand the platforms you think are yeah. most beneficial. I and spend honestly, time right now trying to tell therapists to get on TikTok and they're like, no, absolutely not. I'm like, okay, don't then. <laughs> like, it doesn't, it's not my business. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because, you know, like, okay, so Twitter, I don't know if you can geocache like you can with Instagram. So Instagram, you can check in at a location and you can use hashtags to pull people to that. I mean, Twitter, I guess you can use hashtags too, but you can, you can, it's a lot harder geo, to target. Yeah, you can, you can use geotags in, in Twitter. Uh, in fact, I know some drug dealers who've taken photos and they didn't realize that <laughs> they were giving away their location and got arrested. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, the things about social media, yes. Do not sell drugs on the internet. This is not the Silk Road. <laughs> Do not tweet. <laughs> We actually came across somebody the other night on Facebook that was selling drugs on the marketplace. Yeah. Like, come on guys. Don't tell everybody where you're at. Yeah. It, it's a weird, it's a weird landscape. I, I don't even know. I, I'm sometimes glad that I didn't really start using the internet until 95 when I graduated high school. And then I went to college. That was for the, the, like the LSU library was the first place I ever used the internet. And I'm kind of glad that there was a phase there where I didn't have Instagram. Like, I don't really want to know <laughs> what I would have released at that time. You know, there was a, a piece of my life that isn't, it wasn't as heavily recorded as it is now. That's usually a good thing. I, I was a teen, you know. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, the, um, the, the instance you were talking about um, online education, like interactive especially with video. That's one of the things you and I discussed and I'm already doing online education in like a pre-recorded way, but interactive online education is where I'm going. And we've had pretty good success with what we've done so far, but I'm trying to push it further. I feel like it's going to be disruptive in some ways in the sense that, you know, ABMT and AMTA give away CE credits but I, as an individual provider, will be able to give away CE credits and actually just teach online, like right. just on Facebook. You don't have to go anywhere, yeah. on Instagram, there on are, YouTube. Yeah. There are so many free online CE courses that that's the reason kind of in the beginning that I didn't even want to go the anything but live direct direction because you know people can go online and pay for this course or this course or get this course for free or you know take this course live and you know for people that are kinesthetic learners they really need that hands-on and the majority of the massage industry <clears throat> is kinesthetic yeah. you know so it's kind of that finding that balance with it um but you know like originally my thought was you know, nobody knows who I am. Why would they purchase an online class for me? You know, 
where now it's like I have people that I've been working with and I've been coaching and consulting with now for, you know, a good year. And they're like, why don't you have anything online? You know, like I'll come up there from Florida to take a class from you, you know? And so it's, it's been very hard. And for me, I have a hard time sitting down and recording myself doing this stuff and then finding somebody to work on and being able to record it, to put it online, you know, which is kind of my hold up with most of my classes because most of my stuff is hands-on just like yours. Um, but you know, that's, that's always my obstacle and that's always where I get stuck. The, the, the edge was when I finally got the tech to the point where it was like, okay, multi-camera live stream. They can see, you can switch, switch camera angles so they can see what you're doing close up, back off, you know, was, okay, so we can deliver the video, but if they just sit and watch it, they're not going to get much out of it. Right. If they ju- just sit and watch it, they're not doing it. And I'm like, okay, can I get the therapist to partner up? And then we do two hours, but you give and receive. The one person receives and I literally walk them through a little sequence and then we switch and then they give and receive. And the whole time I'm encouraging them, you know, communicate, tell them more pressure, less pressure, you know, this angle, this direction. Then in addition, I was wearing my Bluetooth so people could call me or text me and like ask questions live. And they could say, hey, I can't quite see what you did with the shoulder. And I would call the camera person in to like get a better view of what was going on specifically right there. That combination was the the greatest value that I could provide online in my experience. And it was also the most kinesthetic without me being in their physical space. And when you start talking about digital distribution, you know, our subscription is $7 a month. And this is a $400 class per student. Like the value proposition on this, if you could give them more, I basically bank on, can I provide more value than other educators? Free CE credit is part of that. But what the students start to realize is I'm really committed to continuing to give them information, continuing to feed them as they ask questions. So what it feels like is you build this rabid following of deadheads. Mm-hmm. nobody else likes you <laughs> everybody else hates you but your fans are actually asking for more they're asking right. for more nuance what's what's the next show like what's mm-hmm. the next class the subscribers what I notice is I think sometimes they're subscribed for what they're getting but they're also subscribed because they're like what is Robert going to do next And I think that's a a valuable component, like being able to remove geography from the equation. Not only does the student have to pay for a $400 class, but if they travel, they have travel expenses. They have a hotel, they have food. They're not making money while they do this. But online, it was like you could do it in an evening. They don't have to go anywhere. Right. That value proposition is really hard to ignore in my case. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you also have people that are like, Hey, I can go to this new place and do this thing while I'm there. And, you know, we've talked about that too with the, the CE crews that we've, you know, we've talked about, it might be dead. It might not be dead. (laughs) No, but people, was that supposed to be later this year? Um, the end of next year, but we were supposed to get our, our cruise lady, to book it in March and now the cruise dates haven't come out because oh, okay. the cruise lines don't know if they're going bankrupt or 
you know, what's going on. But um, okay. so if they go bankrupt, we're going to get together. We're going to go to bank. We're going to get a loan. We're going to buy our own cruise ship. Yeah. Hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> then we just yeah. float around international waters and teach whatever we want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, you know, there's a lot of people that look at it as, hey, like I can go on this retreat and do this thing in this place and also do this while I'm here. And hey, it's a tax deductible vacation, basically. You know, so you also have people that are of that mindset still. Yeah, and, and that's where I'm a little more confused. There were there is oh man. So one of the most contentious issues within my business is the subscription service is free for their first month and seven dollars a month after. And all the videographers, all those young guys, they all take my funnel and they jump on top and they're trying to make sausage. They're trying to force people down through my funnel to like extract more money out of them. And I go, hold on, hold on. Why don't we just get more followers? Why don't we just distribute this globally? And they're like, oh, well, we don't make any money. And I'm like, like, you got to have people coming in mm -hmm. and then like deciding their own level. Right. So like, you know, if you're a, a fan of a certain band with 311, that's the only thing that comes to mind. Like, you can be the fan who bought a 311 t-shirt, who's only listened to a couple albums, and that's great. 311 supports that. But you can also be the fan who'll buy everything, who'll go to every concert, who'll, you know, you know, buy old DVDs or whatever the band has available. Yeah. But the band doesn't try to, like, force you through that. They just offer you more. And that's yeah. a little bit more my model. I never understood. They always wanted to get on top and just like, you know, try to extract more income. And in the midst of the pandemic, specifically, specifically, you know, this guy was like trying to, you know, how do we get your followers to give us more money? I'm like, a bomb dropped on my industry. They're out of work. Yeah. They're worried about foreclosure and bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And you're coming to me saying how we get more money out of them? Like, that's not how this works. Like... <laughs> If there's any time that you promote free, it's now. Yeah. Right, right. And, you know, going back to the who can thing, um, I helped Kelly and Johnny that own it last year with coming up with the facts. And, you know, basically when all this started, they came to me and they said, hey, you know, you have time right now. You can help me with this. And so, you know, to make it work, of course we need customers. Of course we need customers. But we also need, you know, vendors like massage therapists and people that have last minute appointments that are available because if you don't have both sides it doesn't work out you yeah. know you can have this product but if there's nobody that needs the product then you know you're not going to have people fill in your funnel so yeah. it's it's been fun but it's also been a challenge because right now in our industry people are worried about you know job security and their safety of their clients and you know just basic things like keeping a roof over their head, making sure they have food. Like we're back to that, like bottom tier of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, we're not functioning at the top anymore. We're, we're further down the, the scale, you know, so people's priorities have changed. Um, I know personally, I turned my phone off, my work phone off on March the 23rd and haven't turned it back on, you know, and I avoided the work email for a long time because it gave me anxiety. You know, because you don't know when you're going back to work. You don't know how to answer the question. You know, therapists right now, I don't think, even though they have time, I don't think a lot of them are worried about continuing ed. No, because no. they're not sure they're going to have a job when this is all over. 
yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a like I feel better now, but there was a point there for the first week or two. I'm like, is this going to turn into The Walking Dead? Because I don't really, I don't want to be Rick. I don't want to wander the landscape and spear people in the head. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to be scavenging for canned goods in some abandoned store. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's, it's like, I had a point of time there where I was answering like calls in the middle of the night, you know, from coaching clients that were, you know, dealing with massive anxiety, panic attacks, depression, you know, thoughts of suicide. And it kind of stabilized after a while, but you know, then we had that like second wave of everybody had the anxiety and the depression. And then that's when it hit me, you know, I was fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, just out of the blue, you know, you start to kind of buy into the fear. And so, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about fear, you know, whether it's the fear of getting your course online and getting in front of the camera and doing it and messing up, or, you know, if it's the fear of, Hey, am I going to have a job tomorrow? Because that's a lot of the conversations that I've been having, you know, Hey, I don't know if I'm going to have a business next week, you know, Hey, I just went to my office and cleaned, you know, my office out. So we're kind of, we're kind of at the bottom right now and that's okay. You know? because that gives us a chance to come back up and, you know, make some changes and do better than we did before. Yeah, I, I don't. So I think one of the things I've noticed is I don't want to poke massage therapists while they're down. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to put salt in a wound. Like I'm, I'm also stressed. <clears throat> I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like, uh, am I going to have to go get a job at HEB like bagging groceries? Cause like, I need money. Like I got right. <laughs> a mortgage and, you know, like people are messaging me, even other massage therapists going, when are you going back to work? And I'm like, well, technically I've been working one. And then two, when I say working, I mean online. And then three, I mean, two, um, I don't know when, uh, as of yet, I'm going to feel comfortable having like clients because I have clients into my home. Now I have a very low through rate. I don't have like eight people a day, it's just like one or max two clients a day. But at the same time, everybody's so nervous about getting people sick or causing harm. You know, it's just like a, a kind of a murky situation. And I totally accept I'm not an epidemiologist. Talk to your local authorities, find out what people are doing. And then the other part is massage therapists are actively afraid that they're going to lose their license if they see clients before their state wants them to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we got. Um... I own Fire and Ice Therapeutic Massage, it's in Charlotte, and we got deemed essential by the NCDOR, but because we're in Mecklenburg County, we had to get permission from the county before we could reopen. Well, you know, sent my letter to the board, the board's like, okay, you're good, never heard back from the county. You know, when we went through establishment licensure last year, we had the North, or yeah, the Department of Health and Human Services come to this establishment license meeting and say that they had no jurisdiction over the health of you know, health inspections in the massage industry in North Carolina, you know, they would have to have a law that gave them that. Well, you know, we never heard a reply from Mecklenburg County or the health department because they didn't have any jurisdiction over us. And then today we got an email saying from the North Carolina Board of Massage saying, hey, you can reopen if you have a prescription per the Department of Health and Human Services, you know, so I guess some of the roles have changed, you know, and flipped now because of this. Looking at establishment licensure, even 
originally they were just coming in to see if people were being human trafficked. You know, one of the things that bothered me here is they weren't even looking to see if you were washing your sheets and making sure your office was clean. And I had called and asked about that before and, you know, hadn't really got an answer. So the fact that now there is a push for people to have, you know, proper sanitation and all of that in place, I think it's a good thing for our industry. You know, but I think at the same time, it's hard to generalize and say, everybody needs to do this. Everybody needs to do that because there are people in the industry that do such different things. Yeah. You know, um, I think we had talked before about one of the states, they have a rule that your table has to be 36 inches off the ground. You know, like if you do mat work, you can't really generalize that, yeah. you know, um, if you're more on the relaxation end of things, you know, doing more like Swedish massage, more relaxing work. And then you have people that are more on the medical end where you're getting doctor's referrals and, you know, you're billing insurance and you have to keep up with all these standards, you know, you're going to have different requirements and it makes it hard, but you also have people whose, um, extra step of sanitation is, you know, stuff that they probably should have been doing in the beginning. You know, and so it's being able to enforce that and getting everybody on the same page. And, you know, we've always been told the skin's a barrier. You don't really need to wear gloves, you know, yeah. make sure your fingernails are short, make sure you don't have fingernail polish on, you know, but there's always somebody in a CE class that's got like two inch fingernails, like acrylics and, you know, bacteria gets up under those, you know, so now it's, it's like, it's like, all right you know, how are we going to do this? Because we're in close contact with people, but you know, if everything we've been doing before was right all along, then what makes this any different when, you know, the chain of infection portal of entry, all that stuff is still the same, yeah. you know? So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, well, but a lot I of people are scared for their jobs right now. Yeah. I, I think the thing I was most concerned about is like, I understand that like going to the grocery store is a necessity. People have to be able to get food one way or the other. And maybe they don't have the infrastructure to deliver or do curbside pickup. Right. But every time I go to the grocery store with a mask on, I'm like, I'm walking into a Petri dish. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of people in this store and the contact going on is way higher than going to get a massage. Mm -hmm. Now we have much more interpersonal contact because we're in people's space. But like, if you're a therapist, what are you going to do? See six, maybe eight clients a day? Mm -hmm. Like the grocery store is like, they're people, you know, five people deep and you think keeping them six feet distance, like people are touching, like even the produce, I don't want to go squeeze avocados right now. Right. <laughs> I go, this one looks good. Okay. <laughs> like I'm not revisiting, you know, it's yeah. like, and that is where I feel like, I feel like government and authority figures have tried to do their best, but it's sort of an unprecedented situation that we've not had to deal with. The 1918 pandemic with, I think it was H1N1 flu, you know, might've been one thing, but we're so much more mobile now than people were then. Like things have changed so much. And the other part is people get to sit and watch it on their phone and devices all day. So you get like reinforced with all of this. Right. Like at the time of 1918, you might've gotten a newspaper and it said, yeah, 100, 100 people died or whatever. But it was like, it was a blurb in a, you know, in a newspaper or a front page article, like yeah. it has a different impact than the constant viral, you know, video people masks, you know, like the stuff that goes on. It's like, 
Um, it was the same thing I saw during Hurricane Katrina. I'll forever reference this because it wasn't just Katrina and New Orleans going away. It was the news continually pumping it day after day into your face where it's like, it's almost like reinforcing the trauma. Right, right. Yep. I totally agree with that. But, you know, it, it comes back to fear. There's a lot of fear, you know, no matter what you think the solution is, what you think, you know, the real problem is, you know, everybody's scared right now. And so whenever you're scared, you're in those more primal stages and stuck with those more primal needs than, you know, when you're not scared and you're, you know, more confident and you have your needs met and all of that, you know, so back to that hierarchy needs, right? So, I mean, what I think will happen is, you know, there will be tons of these free CEs. People will go after the free CEs. And then as it gets closer to renewal date, people will start really looking. Um, or at least we hope so. You know. I mean, for me, the, the funnel is you, you give quality stuff away for free and then low ticket items and you just keep walking them through. I don't have any desire to force people. That was the difference. I felt like these younger guys, again, videographer makes my stomach turn um, just because they've learned how to press a button and deal with some editing software and they think they should be paid thousands of dollars to do that. And it's like, dude, I'm not Gary V. You're not like following me around with a camera and like editing footage. And, you know, in other words, I'm doing a podcast with you. There's not a camera guy over here filming this, taking this snippet, editing it into a video. I'm like, you press start recording and stop recording. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, you know, all industries go back to sales. At the end of the day, what do we all have in common? We have sales, you know, so there is some common ground there, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, there's so much uh, right now. I've never seen our industry just get obliterated in such a short amount of time where me, just like everybody else, I was like, COVID? What? It was like yeah. coronavirus. What? Yep. China? And then all of a sudden it was like, everything just shuts down. I'm like, because, I mean, this happened during Hurricane Katrina, again, but it was just in our area in Louisiana, for the most part. Yeah. It was like our, you know, surrounding areas through Mississippi and Texas. You know, you could go to the store and you couldn't get bread because it was all sold out. But, like, we're in central Texas. Like, we're insulated from that. And then all of a sudden, I go to the store and I'm like, oh, come on, man. I can't buy bread? Like, would you people calm down? Like, the supply chain is not gone. Like, yeah. it's just messed up but it's not like just relax like leave some bread or toilet paper for other people right well our governor here was threatening if anybody got sick in any of the food distribution centers to make them throw out the whole warehouse full of food you yeah. know when you already have a shortage because so much of it comes from other countries and we're not importing from other countries and we're holding stuff that's being yeah. imported it makes things a little bit you know hairier but um you know, as far as my business goes, as far as my massage practice, you know, I have staff, like we made an effort to make everybody an employee because we wanted to make sure if something ever happened, you know, that they had what they needed as far as health insurance and, you know, unemployment and all of that, you know, so monthly, like I sit down with my staff and we talk about, okay, like, you know, are there any extra expenses that you need to cover? You know, do you need X amount more clients? Do you need, you know, help with this? Do you need help with that? 
you know, so what was frustrating for me as a business owner is we've paid into unemployment every single month, you know, and only two of my staff have seen unemployment and stimulus. And here we are, you know, May the 1st and rents due. Yeah. You know, so a couple of days ago I was sitting there going, well, crap, you know, I'm, I'm looking at bankruptcy, you know, hadn't heard anything about grants or PPP loans, any of that. But where we got lucky is we had a friend of a client that, you know, kind of heard that we were not in such a great situation because I was having conversations with my landlord saying, Hey, like, I don't have the money. I just don't have it because I haven't worked all month. You know, our building flooded last year and like almost annihilated my business last year. You know, so this is like round two of, you know, trying to restabilize, you know, so I was thinking that I was going to have to declare my LLC bankrupt, which, you know, the good thing about having an LLC is it doesn't affect your personal assets. So, you know, we got very lucky because one of our clients had a friend that wanted to help a small business and they went and paid two months of our rent, you know, like a lot of people aren't in that situation. Yeah. But because, you know, it, this has gone on so long, I've had to take a job, you know, other than running my practice and seeing clients and, you know, teaching continuing ed. So now for me, it's trying to figure out that new, like, reconstructive, how do you find balance and all this? You know, like, how, how do you teach and manage a practice and work a job, yeah. you know, on top of having a kid at home that you have to homeschool every day? You know, so it's presented a whole new, you know, kind of palette of problems to sample. But at the same time, you know, I have opportunities now that I didn't have before. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've had time periods. Have you ever had a time period where you, you had a job and you got fired or something and you were unemployed? And then before you got a new job, like during this time period, people are like, oh, you can just go to the beach and hang out. And I'm like, you're unemployed, man. You can't really, enjoy. it's not a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> you have this floating out anxiety about how am I going to survive? Yeah. And I think this parallels that because it's like, I can't just be at home and be like, yeah, I can make hamburgers and grill and drink beer. <laughs> because it's like, we gotta, we gotta get back to work at some point. It, it's yeah. similar to that. It's hard to enjoy it as like a vacation when there's so much like global instability where we don't know what's going on yet. Absolutely. 2014, I was a pharmacy tech. I was in pharmacy school, got robbed at gunpoint twice in a week. They closed the place that I worked at, you know, and I'm sitting there going crap. Well, you don't qualify for unemployment for two weeks. You know, you don't have anything coming in. You hadn't planned for this, you know, like mentally you're over here somewhere you don't know what's going on in your own head, yeah. you know, but I mean, you're just grabbing for, for straws at that point, you know, and that's what a lot of people do. And, you know, these people that I keep seeing that are closing their businesses, you know, at least if their employees are on unemployment, like that gives them some time to figure out what they want going forward, you know, and really plan to have a better job for a little bit, you know, um, rather than just taking the first thing, even though I think rules with unemployment is if you have a job offer, you're supposed to take it, you know, but if you know what you're looking for, then you can apply for the right things. Whereas, you know, before you might've been frantically grabbing at straws just to, you know, have something on the table, you know? And so it's, it's going to be very different. 
it's going to be very, very, very different because we don't know what things are going to look like. We don't know if people are going to be scared to come in and get a massage. We don't know if people are going to be eager. You know, we don't know the guidelines that are going to be imposed on us. Yeah. So it just presents a whole new, you know, a whole new kind of world of massage for a better lack of words. And in a couple of years, coronavirus is going to go through the population. It's going to relatively stabilize. It's going to continue to mutate just like the flu does. And that's why you can get a flu flu vaccine, you can get a flu shot, but people still get the flu because it keeps changing. It keeps evolving and adapting. So I don't know, it's a rough uh, uh, situation. Uh, much like what happened in, during Hurricane Katrina, you know, I hope people aren't injured or their livelihood uh, drastically changed, but it's a very different um, situation where I feel like the fear, the psychological fear is almost greater in some senses than the actual biological realities of the body count, the number of people who are going to be sick or injured or, you know, whatever. It's right. like, yeah, I mean, literally going, okay, is this going to turn into the walking dead? Because there's something that, you know, it's, it's death rate is definitely, I think, higher than the flu, but like how much higher? Mm-hmm. And then it was also like in populations who already had autoimmune disorders or an elderly population, you know, and it's certainly it's not like, we'll put them on the ice float and just float them out, you know, into the water. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same right. time, it's like reasonable. And talking about what's reasonable, you know, because when I first started seeing people wearing masks, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Because I've never worn a mask like that in my life. And then the next thing I know, I'm like taking a selfie at Walmart. (laughs) I know, I saw that. (laughs) Because it's like, this is, this is life right now. This is where we're at. And then it's like, it took, oh man, when I started getting ads in my feed for like designer masks. Now it's a fashion accessory. I'm like, this is American capitalism. This is what you get. Like, they're already trying to make money off of, you know, the pandemic and like its nuance. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's it's insane. It really is. You know, but I don't know how how long a lot of people can go on like this. You know, if you consider that most of the therapists in our industry are independent contractors you know, um, they're not employees, you know, a lot of people have been holding on for this PUA, which in, I guess most states, it was what, the 25th, that people were able to start applying for the pandemic assistance for the self-employed people, Yeah. you know, I mean, I just, I don't know how long people can hold out like this, you know, the, the other thing that kind of makes me laugh is you know knowing that our money's not backed by anything oh boy okay <laughs> you know yeah, i'm not a finance that's expert loaded, but, yeah. but that that that's a loaded thing but you know like how long can we as a country go down the same path you know so it'll just be interesting to see when they finally let everything reopen um i know in north carolina we're considered phase two or phase three so we're not looking to being open till probably july or august yeah. You know, so it's it's going to be very, very interesting, you know, to see how things have um, have transpired. But, you know, one of the things which we've talked about this before, you don't police your your online group. I do. Police <laughs> um, do what? 
police it out. Oh, I don't, I don't put up with the bullying and the, the, the put downs and all that. Like yeah, we just don't do that. Well, I mean, if I had to go into massage entrepreneurs and like remove the people who aren't entrepreneurs, it'd be like 20 people left. <laughs> right, right. Like there's a lot of, yeah, it's just like America. That's what I keep telling people. It's like, listen, yes. America, as wonderful as we are, is full of, you know, conspiracy theorists and Trump supporters and MAGA hats and white supremacists and, you know, black Muslims and, you know, just layer after layer after layer. And we're all Americans and we all right. got to get along. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, like the amount of massage therapists out there that are screaming that people are ethical versus unethical, you know, uh, from wanting to open and, you know, if you can save just one life, you know, like that has well, got to but stop. Here's the thing. You can save a life by never working ever again. Right, right. I mean, if you really care, like I would right. have this argument with people. I'm like, listen, so like driving, I was hit by, by a drunk driver, by the way. So when you, when you hear this conversation, oh, I was a philosophy student. I also drank. I'm from Louisiana. I drive my own trauma and PTSD problems. Um, you know, I would drive down a Texas highway and there's a, a billboard and it's like, this is the number of people who've died on Texas roadways this year. Mm -hmm. and it'd be like a thousand or 2000 yeah. or something. Yeah. The number it's one like, our society doesn't make cars illegal. Our society has simply died that those people weren't worth saving. Right. Because you could make cars illegal. And I'm like, well, you know what? I guess you just don't care about the children. And they're well, like, <laughs> they get angry when I say stuff like that. Yeah. But it's, it's the degree to which we want the freedom to do whatever we want to do. Mm -hmm. the ease and convenience of being able to have food and transport for all the goods that we use. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's about like this, like the number one cause of death in the United States is heart disease. We don't see people screaming and protesting and having full out tamper, temper tantrums whenever you open another McDonald's up the street. But, you know, I'm, I'm for letting people, you know, do what's best for them because you don't know their situation. You know, if you can do it to the best of your ability in a safe manner, you know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, let people do what they do, you know, but I mean, screaming people and putting them down and telling them they're unethical, you yeah. know, like, come on, y'all. We all yeah, have different it's appointments. The, it's, we, the mother, it's the mother hens. It's just, yeah. you know, it's like, if I would use that car analogy, and it's like, what, you know, I guess you just don't care about the children. People get angry real fast. And I'm like, listen, let's go hang out with the Amish and find out how many people got run over by buggies this year. Yeah. It's like. How many, how many guys, how many guys get drunk in their buggy and run people over every year? I would love to know. <laughs> Do you know the answer to that? And it's like, listen, this is, this is real deal. You know, it's like that scene, you ever seen a fight club where they're like sitting on the plane and he's talking about like the, uh, the risk in like insurance about mm -hmm. like fatalities and like, mm -hmm. How the where they do a recall on the part on the car depends on like the number of amount of money they're going to pay for like people who died and like you know lawsuits and the lady's like oh, oh my god <laughs> it's just all insurance is is risk mitigation yeah. you know it's the probability of this could happen so everybody pays into this fund and if it happens you get a payout if, if yeah. it doesn't happen you don't you know so it's just mitigating risk but you know like at the end of the day like all it comes back to is people are so afraid. You know, sure. and I just, I don't see any point in feeding it anymore. Um, you know, like 
in our group right now, we're talking about life coaching stuff because I've got my life coaching thing. And if we're back to those basic, you know, hierarchy needs, then that's what we're going to focus on, you know, because it doesn't make sense to talk about, you know, building your massage business and how to improve your business and how to protect your business and, you know, how to make sure you got your little nest egg if your basic needs aren't being met right now. Yeah. You know, and I'm just, I'm so tired of talking about the coronavirus, <laughs> Sure. you know, but it's not going to go away anytime soon. We can't wish it away. We can't, you know, life's all it away. We can't. Yeah, this is where I, uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of George Carlin. And I've been listening to Life is Worth Losing, uh, his final uh, album that was released um, before he passed away. And in it, he basically goes on this rant. Um, and I've listened to this in, on repeat in my car for like three and a half years, by the way. I never take it out. Um, so anytime I drive somewhere, this is what I'm listening to. But he goes into this thing where it's like this free-floating anxiety where we lose all electricity. And then like society just takes this downward spiral of just like chaos results. But instead of backing away from it so you're not anxious, he keeps making it worse and worse and worse until like the, the laws of physics break down and like plasma and shit's floating through the air. And it's completely hysterical, but it's like, I think a lot of it comes from, um, it went, in, in comedic terms, it's like you're helping the audience deal with their anxiety about lack of control. Mm-hmm. We can't control nature. Like, as, as, as advanced as our technology is, we're like one meteor away from gone. <laughs> right, right. We can't escape Earth. We don't have the technology. We haven't figured that out yet. And we're like, oh, man, this little virus is going to, like, screw with this. And I'm like, yeah, apparently. And this is, how do you deal with you're not in control? Yeah. Well, if you just look at the problems that the industry will have coming back, you know, like, some of these people, their big thing is their cancellation policy. How do you enforce a cancellation policy, you know, when you've had all this going on and people don't have money, you know, and that's why, like, I've really kind of taken to this who can thing because it's another way to fill that cancellation whenever somebody cancels last minute. Um, you know, like, what is, what is that going to look like? You know, you have, you go to get an old change or a car inspection now and they only want one person in the waiting room at a time you know like how do you how do you make that happen you know so we went from scaling big to now we're having to learn to scale back and scale down you know and so it's it's an interesting concept and it's an interesting you know kind of scenario for a better lack of words but you know um a lot of the stuff that I went from doing you know because I was I was seeing clients two full days a week and then I was teaching a couple days a week and then I was kind of coaching, consulting on the side, you know, now the majority of my time I'm doing, you know, coaching and consulting for another business. I see, you know, therapists here and there and do consulting and coaching with them. And then, you know, I have a small portion of time that I'm setting aside to build my CE platform, you know, and just kind of, kind of learning to be present again, you know, instead of being so caught up and I have to do this, I have to do that, you know, and it's figuring out what other kind of skill sets do I have, you know, because going to work for a tech company isn't something that I ever thought 
you know, that I would do. However, it's another way for me to help the industry. It's another way to help massage therapists and small businesses grow and come back from this. And so, you know, that's, that's been my pivot. That's been what I'm kind of switching to. Um, because, you know, we got to figure out a way for people to be able to find us and, you know, people to be able to continue whenever they're ready, you know? So it's an interesting predicament for sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I think society, if we continue to have to deal with this, we'll develop some coping mechanisms and infrastructure for the next time this happens, you know, does it wind up being, and I assume this isn't the case, um, does it wind up being as long? Like the last time I could think of something happened, they keep re referencing 1918 and H1N1, the flu pandemic, um, you know, does it go another hundred years? And my guess is no, because of food production, right. because viruses are being traded between animals that we're using for food and then, you know, over. Um, it also might, um, I would suspect uh, people might be more in favor of lab meat at this point because one, you're not hurting animals and two, does it reduce the potential for like, you know, virus exchange between animals and humans? Yeah, I see uh, some of these services like Instacart and Shipped and, you know, some of those things continuing on with their growth as well. I, oh man, I, so it kind of goes back to that conversation about online education. I think that online education in many ways, at least as a supplement, is part of the future. I just don't really understand. One of the challenges I have the most, like we understand that people right now, there's not a robot that can give a massage that can parallel what you or I can do. So people come work with us specifically in a brick and mortar facility. But when it comes to information distribution, ooh, man, in, in technology is allowing massive amounts of data to uh, flow back and forth as far as information. I don't really know what happens to brick and mortar facilities. So if you're a restaurant, you can order food. We know you can do that mm -hmm. pretty easily. But like then, why do people come to your restaurant? Because you have to provide an experience that makes people want to go out and be around other people to hang out and sit down in the restaurant itself. And the landlord, the person who owns that real estate is the one who makes the money off of that. So like just for massage, you know, how many massage therapists have a facility right now that they pay $600 a month in rent and they're just going to like just drop their lease. They're not going to pay anymore because they can't see clients and everything's. You know. I'm seeing a lot of that. Yeah. You know, um, but the mortar stuff confuses me in the age right. of like shipping everything. I mean, even, even Amazon coming along and like messing with Walmart's business model because Walmart didn't see, you know, UPS and the, the, the mail, like shipping all these goods, the way that Amazon was doing it. I don't know what happens to real estate. Real estate is going to be interesting, you know, um, so my dad owns a logging, grading, and land clearing company, and he said on the track that they're on now, they're looking at being closed for two to three months because all of their contracts are pulling. You know, if you think of it that way, you're either going to have a rush to reopen and you're going to have all these people that have LLCs that declare bankruptcy trying to get into the same brick and mortar locations to get their store back open 
you know, and then there's nothing new being built. So, you know, there is a chance that red could probably go up more if it's a supply and demand thing, or you'll see people working from home more, you know, um, which honestly, you know, I kind of feel like with a lot of companies, that's what it's looking for. Um, we're going towards, um, even before all this, you had hypervolt and, um, the craft gun and, you know, all these massage guns that got really, really super big before this, um, you know, are people going to start using that more? The, the book I wrote, you know, it's a at home massage book for the public, you know, are there going to be people purchasing those more to learn how to do the stuff themselves? You know, like we really don't know what it's going to look like. Um, is it really going to become more of a healthcare position you know, where we're starting to work with hospital standards and, you know, integrating more with healthcare, or, you know, is it going to be, you know, ghost town because people aren't going to trust the standards and, you know, what they're receiving. But, you know, I have clients that I know if I open today would be back in my office, you know, so it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I feel like we're spectating on sports. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, it's not just our industry, but the, the bigger question to me, like I said, real estate, and I mean, real estate globally, like yeah, when you have a mass transportation of like goods and you don't need a physical store, Toys R Us goes out of business. Like what happens to all the real estate? Like our population is growing, but our population is not growing fast enough to be able to turn everything into hotels and condos. I mean, just like Airbnb to like Motel 6, what has Airbnb done to Motel 6's business model? Yeah. Like and even if you, sort of stuff. Yeah. Even, even if you talk about the, the trafficking issue that we have in some states, like human trafficking can occur in a small place or it can occur in a big place, you know? And so they had had a lot of instances with these big empty warehouses that had been sitting empty for a long time being used for human trafficking, you know? Um, it, it's going to be very, very different, you know, and I know that there were some grants um, with the SBA to, you know, construct new offices for certain business activities. I don't even know if those are still available, you know, and if people, you know, end up getting those, then, you know, what is that going to look like? Are they, I don't know, going to be able to use them properly or is it going to be kind of a waste of funds? Because before all this, you were talking about having rent crises, yeah. you know, there wasn't enough places for people to live and for people to rent, you know, so the market was driving the rates higher and higher and higher. Yeah, you know, yeah. now you have people that can't afford where they're living. You know, you have people moving back in with their families. We're already doing not so great from my vantage point. Um, <clears throat> did not have an emergency fund set up, did not have, you know, a lot of money. The little bit of money they had is used to go on vacation or just enjoy what little bit of time they have. And then all of a sudden a bomb drops, man, it was like massage entrepreneurs became very, and within a week was like, how do I file for unemployment? Mm -hmm. It's like, like, and granted, I understand why, but I'm like, this isn't the entrepreneurs group that I wanted. Like, you know, I don't want to, again, I don't want to kick a massage therapist while they're down, Right. but I was trying to get them to innovate and get them to change their position 
you know, long before this happened. And myself, granted, like I might wind up delivering pizza next week as far all I know, just because I need to be able to bring in some sort of income to continue paying my mortgage. But it was kind of controversial, but, and I don't even know if they did this down in Texas, but Zeal here were hiring workers to go or massage therapists to go to Walmart distribution centers and show people how to stretch. You know, that was one of the, the things that was offered to massage therapists, you know, in our area. So that was kind of innovative, you know, and if you think the difference between a business that thrives and a business that dies is coming up with something innovative, you know, as much as people don't like it, and I think we've talked about this before, is, you know, Massage Envy. A lot of people don't particularly care for Massage Envy, but what Massage Envy did is they made massage affordable and they brought it to the masses with the membership. You know, and that was their innovative edge, you know, so I think going forward, it's going to be innovation and how people innovate. Um, For my birthday, I have a coaching client who did a forensic pathology session with me. Um, And it was like, it was like a combination of any energy work and teaching you how to do self massage. And it was something I'd never heard of, but it was kind of cool. You know, it was another way that massage was adapted to be able to, you know, be done at home. Um, we've seen people teaching their clients how to massage themselves using soup cans and, you know, stretching and all that. So it brings some things that we almost lost out of our scope, like stretching, you know, back in. And, you know, I don't think anybody's board is going to scream about, you know, people teaching people to stretch right now when literally it's, you know, meeting basic needs that's at stake. As a society, we can only enforce what the public is willing to allow. Like, there have to be funds to be able to have the police, so to speak, you know, enforcing laws as interpreted. When I see therapists going, well, is it within my scope of practice to teach online? I'm like, you're not doing massage when you teach people online. Right. It's not. There's no way your insurance, like you're not a massage, th- like I'm not massaging you over this webcam right now. <laughs> like, right. It doesn't work that way. It's like, not only are you not within the scope and practice of massage, you're basically now a coach. Congratulations. There's no laws. You're on the internet. Like there right. is no, you know, enforced lines of like, what's okay, what's not okay. I couldn't even get people to do consults with me online and then a week into this, like somebody just messaged me and was like, we need a telehealth session. I'm like, okay, sure. And I did it for free just to help a, a veteran out. And the whole thing is, is like he reduced by two points on a pain scale for me going, yeah, just, just rub on this area in your back. And I screen shared and pull up the anatomy. I would have loved to have been doing that pre-pandemic, but I couldn't get people to do it because they, they can just go get a session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's innovation. You got to find it. You know, if online is the next big thing, then online is the next big thing. You know, we have to adapt as an industry, you know, if teaching, you know, couples massage from zoom is, you know, what you end up doing, it's what you end up doing. It's a job at the end of the day, you know, and eventually massage will come back. You know, if I, I just wrote this part of, part of my book was this huge thing about, you know, massage history and how massage has gone away and come back. And, you know, so during the Renaissance period, you had the Catholic church telling everybody, 
you know, touch is bad, you know, touch is related to sex, you know, this is when you're doing all the arranged marriages. That's when massage got a bad rap, you know, and then it came back and, you know, 1950s here, we had some questionable things going on, you know, that's where we kind of lost the, the whole masseuse word, you know, and then if you look at like the 1980s, the 1990s, that's when most states started seeing licensure, you know, it came back and now it's more reputable. You know, so even if massage wanes a little bit, you know, it's still going to come back in a more reputable way. We just have to figure out how, you know, because before all the whole renaissance, you know, craziness that was going on, you had all these big philosophers and people that we talk about all the time now in textbooks like Hippocrates and Galen that were using it to actually treat people medically, you know, so it's, it's going to change. It's going to be different, but you know, it's hopefully going to go in a more reputable direction. You know, all I ever tell the therapist is to take out their phone and just go document what they're doing and train the public and what it is we do and right. change the public's perception. Mm-hmm. If a hundred therapists made a video a day, it's 36,000 or so videos a year. Right. Um, My office, we bill health insurance. And so part of, part of getting that off the ground was going and talking to doctor's offices and finding out the doctor's offices didn't even know that we had educations. They thought that we just decided we wanted to be a massage therapist one day and started revolution on people. And in some states that might fly, but in the most, in most states, it doesn't, you know, and finding out that we have to have continuing education and that we actually study, you know, pathology and anatomy and physiology, like, it's like a light bulb went off, you know, so if you educate people on the benefits, you know, it, it, it's sales and marketing, as much as people hate it, you know, sales and marketing is telling people what the benefits are. If you can educate the public on the benefits, then you're going to be back in business, you know, it's just getting past that fear, because everybody's kind of stuck over the hump of, you know, being afraid. Yeah, the the judgment. Um, When I was doing the social media course, we had a section on Facebook business page. And over an hour of the conversation was talking with colleagues who are afraid to be on camera because they're afraid of judgment or afraid of what, you know, trolls on the internet might say. And I'm like, why do you care what some loser on the internet thinks about you? Like, not everybody's going to like you. And if anything, you want to go and be you and be so unequivocally you that like you divide the waters and choose the people who want to work with you. Because the more you build this personal brand, I think the easier it is. Like, you know, I am not um, everybody's favorite in the massage industry. I don't know if you know this, but I have clients and I have students and I have a successful business and I wear Pink Floyd t-shirts and nobody tells me how to dress because I built it on my own and I just continue to push that sort of, you know, personal brand forward. I think there's more opportunity for that than ever. I don't think education, especially in core curriculum, has kept pace with social media marketing in the age that we're in. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, brands are built on credibility. You know, if you can find something that's credible, then there's a good chance that you can build a brand off of it. But at the end of the day, if you have no credibility, you have no brand. It's, it's diff- like, okay, so I've got a podcast. Now, I want people to understand my podcast is like, 
my webcam plugged into my horrible laptop, which I thought died this morning, you know, and I press a button <laughs> with a headset. Ooh, Robert has a podcast. I'm like, yes. And I do do care enough about my business to continue to try to make the video better, make the audio quality better, do what I do better. But it's like having a podcast in the digital age is not as complicated as you think. But people do, they do this all the time. They're like, oh, he's got a YouTube channel. Like, oh, okay, well, he must be, you know, a real professional if he's got a YouTube channel. And I'm like, there's like a kid who does like toy reviews and they make like millions of dollars a year. My kid watches this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that kid has a YouTube channel. This is not that difficult. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, it's fairly simple. I mean, it can be done, you know? It's just taking the initiative. And when people have a trauma response, you know, they're not going to take the initiative for the most part until their brain recovers, you know, and their hormones are back to normal. And, you know, you're not in fight or flight anymore. And your amygdala and your hippocampus aren't like battling it out. Like, hey, this person has anxiety. Hey, let's have a panic attack. You know, all <laughs> these things that go on in the body. Like, I just, I don't see, you know, people having the motivation to go out and do these things. You know, but eventually as people start to recover and their brains start to process the things and they start to learn to breathe and relax, you know, it's going to, I think, get a lot better and we're going to start seeing a lot of innovation. Um, one of my, one of my friends keeps saying, well, millionaires are made during recessions, not, you know, these, these high, high peak times that we just came out of, you know, so I think we'll see a lot of cutting edge innovation because people are going to be forced to think in new ways and try new things and find new solutions because a lot of this is new problems, yeah. you know? So it's just, it's kind of a wait and see. And, you know, I am perfectly okay with not knowing what's going to happen and taking it a day at a time because you start thinking about what's going to happen next week and next month. Woo, it's a quick way to get anxiety, right? Yeah. So if you can just stay present and, you know, try to stay positive about it. Don't go down that rabbit hole of this is going to happen and I'm going to have to do this and then this is going to happen and then I'm going to lose everything. You know, just take it one second at a time. It's going to be okay. It's going to come together, you know, somehow. And whether you're a massage therapist or you're a massage therapist educator or you own a massage school or, you know, whatever it is you do, like it's, it's going to come back to you. You know, whatever you've been putting out, this time, you know, if you've been one of these people that have been negative fighting with everybody, like it's going to come back to you. People are going to remember that, you know, yeah. people remember the people that helped them and, you know, encourage them a lot better <laughs> sometimes than the people that, uh, you know, screamed at them and told them they were wrong. So, you know, I, I think we'll be fine. I really do. Long-term. Yeah. I don't think society's going to collapse. Um, I am worried about the economy on a number of levels, but uh, I leave that to the politicians and the economists. So, yep. Yeah. So what else is uh, sort of getting at you these days? Is there anything else coming up? I have been doing a lot of business coaching and a lot of life coaching, and I am perfectly okay with that. Um, when I went through and got my coaching certifications and my consulting certification, you know, I was like, well, crap, like, I'm not going to use some of this stuff. But, you know, I'm finding that I'm using it now more than I did before. And um, I've been doing a lot of social media for people, you know, I've been doing some 
logos and, you know, graphics, basic stuff. Um, but I mean, for the most part, you know, I'm helping build a brand for a tech company. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it. Like, you know, like at first I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, like, not sure tech is for me. You know, what do I know about technology? What do I know about, you know, apps, app development, you know, and then it's like, now it's like, okay, you know, I can tie this into what I already do. You know, I'm already helping massage therapists. This is just another way, you know, yeah. and it expands my reach outside of the massage industry to yeah. basically small businesses that offer appointments, you know, so I've been working on that, working on building this platform for CE. Um, the battle is making myself record the videos, you know, um, I don't want to be one of these CE providers that have online courses that are just reading text and answering questions. You know, I see that as a waste. There's so many courses out there like that. And they're not quality. So, you know, just concentrating on quality over quantity, you know, lots of free coaching sessions I've been doing here lately. Um, I'm sure that will transfer over to, you know, more long-term clients for a better lack of words. Um, and it's just taking it a day at a time, you know, learning to be present, having to homeschool my child. That's a fun thing. You know, um, one of the best things that I've found that helps me the most through all this is a routine, you know, getting up at the same time, going to bed at the same time, you know, this is work time, this is school time, this is lunch time, this is dinner time, you know, this is the time I water my plants in my garden, you know, just being on a schedule you know, that can help people retain their sanity right now a lot. Yeah. But yeah. What about you? Um, in some ways, for better or worse, I have probably been as active, if not more active during the pandemic, because when you cut out classes and you cut out clients, all my focus went online, mm -hmm. which meant I had time to read FAQs and watch tutorials and learn software and integrations and all this stuff. Like, Still tons to do, but um, it actually propelled my business um, in an online direction, which we had already done some. Um, so I think once this is over, I'll be even in a better spot to continue building online, especially in regards to education. But also just doing the podcast, doing things like this, I have a lot of time. Yeah. Um, to be completely honest, part of the reason I did the podcast is I get to connect with people and talk with people during a stressful time. And while I'm on podcast, I drink less, you know, so that's good. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm that's dealing good. with stress just like everybody else is. So um, I don't exactly know what's going to happen, but I feel like I'm slowly building to this point where I don't know if I might wind up being like a social media marketing coach or consultant or stuff for other businesses and other industries, but I feel like I've got the base information to be able to do some of that. And what I found is I learned it in an industry that is very tech averse, which is massage, but I've gotten so good at it that I, when I talk to other businesses, I'm like, oh, they do this stuff, right? And then I realize there's all these small businesses that are not. They're not using social media to build their business, to build brand awareness in their communities. 
like it would be like if a local Tex-Mex place, which is very common here in Central Texas, like if they needed help with their marketing, I could provide that for free. And I consider it fun just because it's different than what I normally deal with. The challenge is the tech landscape and social media is evolving so rapidly that I think business owners are frankly just overwhelmed. It, yeah. When I go, I went to a LinkedIn local meeting recently and it totally cracked me up because I don't feel particularly successful compared to a programmer who makes $200,000 a year writing code. Mm -hmm. But when I went to this meeting, you had a guy refurbish houses, another guy's a plumber, another guy, you know, deals with stocks and bonds or whatever investing. And all of a sudden they've all surrounded me and they're asking me questions about TikTok. Like, this is what I do now. Like I'm a massage therapist talking about TikTok, a platform which very few people use. It's all for 15 year old girls who do dances, right? And I'm like, oh no, TikTok is like wave. And they're like, oh my God, really? TikTok is becoming a lot of advertisement. Yeah. Yeah. And Snapchat went up, I think, stock-wise, because there were so many more people using Snapchat. Yeah. And, you know, Snapchat might be a great way to advertise. I haven't explored that yet. You know, I think you have Snapchat, don't yeah. you? Yeah. I use, I use Snapchat and TikTok pretty regularly. I mean, you know, um, the, the platforms continue to change and evolve, and I just try to continue to change and evolve with them. I understand enough, and it took years. This took 10 years for me to deal with all these platforms and understand the nuances between Twitter and other stuff. And I continue to learn as I go. But for me, it's just about brand awareness. Mm -hmm. It's like people can find me on Twitter and write me. They can find me on Instagram and video message me. And, you know, me being a business person, if I had businesses right now, that were like, I need social media marketing help. I'm like, okay. They're like, well, how much does it cost? I'm like, well, I'll do a console for free. And they're like, what? And I'm like, guys, I'm at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no job. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have time. You have money. That's what somebody said to me the other day. And I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other point is, I think also, like I had someone once um, in the massage industry criticize me because they're like, well, you don't have a marketing degree. And I'm like, okay. You learn as you go. What did they teach you in marketing school about Twitter? And they're like, and it's like, guys, listen, you don't need, I mean, granted, if you have a marketing degree, awesome. You probably know stuff about marketing that I don't, but that's not street hustle. That's not figured out hashtags, interacting with people, networking, digital networking. This sort of stuff is what I'm good at. Like I'll never forget um, talking to somebody in the massage industry here in central Texas and they they were like the marketing manager for like a local school. And they said, Hey, I, they called me and said, Robert, we need help. And I'm like, we need help with. And they're like, I need help with the school's marketing online. And I'm like, why are you calling me? And she's like, Robert, I can't even avoid you. She's like, I don't under, like, we have other educators teach at our school and you're the only educator that drives traffic to our school because you draw so much internet traffic that like, we don't, I don't even know how you do it. Like, I'm like, okay. So I go in have a conversation with her. And I, I pretty much know how this is going to go by the way. She go, I go, what's the problem? And she's like, we need maximum reach, no budget or very little budget. And I said, okay, hold on. Give me a second. So I sat there, put my thinking cap on. I went, all right, can you afford 500 bucks? And they're like, yeah, probably one time. I'm like, okay, 
go to UT, find somebody in the film department who's got the cameras, got the editing equipment, they've got six months or a year before they graduate. They're looking for a way to pad their resume. You're gonna hire them for 500 bucks. They're gonna come into the school and each of the students in class is gonna make three different videos. One's gonna be on a muscle, it's origin insertion. Another's gonna be on a bone, it's like connective ligaments. And then the third is gonna be like a technique video. The videographer is gonna film those and then he's gonna package those, edit those, and then upload those to your social media channels and schedule them. What's gonna happen is when those videos come out on your social media, you're gonna tag that student on Facebook and then get that student to share that video with their friends, family, and loved ones so they can see what they're learning in school. And basically her jaw hit the floor. Yep. And she was like, they will never, they will never allow that. And I'm like, okay, so meeting over? Because basically it's like they're afraid of the anarchy that the internet represents mm -hmm. and not taking advantage of it. And I'm like, that is the most effective viral internet marketing you could potentially do. It's because um, Janice is a student at the school. Janice's friends, family, colleagues get to see Janice doing massage and go, wow, she's in a YouTube video. Yeah. They connect with that so much more because of that personal connection than they do by you making a fancy Hollywood ad and running ads, you know, through Facebook. Yeah. People Passion. are tired of being tired of, they're tired of being advertised to, but if you connect, connect like generate sales. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the basic premises before you can ever sell to anybody is building rapport. Yeah. You know, and part of rapport is credibility. We keep talking about credibility today. Um, you know, you have to build rapport to somebody before you can ever sell to them, you know? So if such and such is tagged in this video and they go to such and such school or such and such massage place, you know, then that's credibility. You know, why do you think testimonials work so well with driving people to businesses? It's because people want to know that somebody that is reputable or somebody that they know, or even somebody that they don't know, a bunch of people that they don't know, you know, have been somewhere and all say the same things. You know, so there are the different tiers of strategy, you know, to marketing and driving traffic and it, it, it can be done without a marketing degree. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, there are some things that I think, you know, people should go to school for like being a doctor, a nurse, you know, some of that higher level stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, like most of the most of the most successful people that I know that are business owners like my dad. You know, my dad owns a huge logging grading and lane clearing company. He barely finished high school. The only reason he finished high school and got his GED is because my mom wouldn't marry him if he did, you know, but there are so many successful CEOs of these huge companies, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the guy from Airbnb, like, I want to say that he doesn't have a business degree um, either. But, you know, like, that's, that's another thing. Like, he is an entrepreneur. And what do entrepreneurs do? Like, if you don't launch the first time, you just keep relaunching. And eventually, you have the reach and you have the followers and the thing takes off, right? So, it's all attainable. You don't have to have a degree, you know. Get you just it, have get to, it done. Yeah, you just have to get it done, figure out how it works, right? Yeah, if I had, you know, if I had a forced you know if I was forced to do another industry 
Adaptability, creativity, the capacity to learn, do Google searches, read FAQs, watch YouTube videos is very underpriced as far as adaptability. Mm -hmm. um, being able to, like I've done this, I've had a podcast with somebody in the music industry and then I started talking about digital distribution and they're like, man, in this case it was uh, Von, Von Doom, uh, G Von Doom and he's a black guy in the hip hop world here in Austin. And I think, I, I, I thought he had a sense of like, who is this white guy? And then I started talking about digital distribution and going around the recording industry because you can distribute yourself through the internet. And he kind of went, wow, this white guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've been in the massage industry for roughly six years now. And I have people that are like, how did you learn that much in six years to be teaching? Yeah. And I'm like, well, first of all, you know, you have school prior. And then you have the fact that I'm always in school <laughs> for something, but you know, like the internet and there's so many textbooks out there and you know, so many different things on different topics. Like quite a few of my classes are things that are not classes that are out there like run of the mill classes. You know, there's stuff that I've developed and done research on and, you know, kind of came up with myself, you know, um, hopefully we've got one that will come out fingers crossed the end of the year that is a new concept, but it's all based on research. So if you get in there and you dig in deep and you know, you ask why and why and why, you know, eventually you find the answers and then you're on to something. And when you talk about innovation, which is kind of what I'm all about, you know, that's what, that's what turns the page. You know, that's what innovates. That's what differentiates you from the next person. Because if we're all doing the same thing, yeah. you know, the people that innovate are going to be the people that succeed. The thing is, I think, I think people think that there's a crowd of people cheering on innovation. No, they don't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> people people going, overlook it. You can't do that. And I, I would go, like when we got to subscription, it was like subscription is not a new model, by the way. Like I literally mm -hmm. looked at Netflix and went, hmm, could I do like Netflix, but like for massage education, like mm -hmm. kind of like something like that. And it's like, that's not a new idea. Like it was already in existence, but I kept going, no, we have a subscription service. And people went, I don't understand. What do you mean? And I'm like, oh, we're the Netflix of massage education. <laughs> it's like, yeah. once you saw how information was distributed, I went, hold on, wait a second. I've been looking at this all backwards. Mm -hmm. Wait a second, can we do a subscription service? Mm -hmm. That was a very innovative thought in an industry that's not familiar with delivering educational information yeah. that yeah. way. The reason I have kind of gotten stuck on this who can thing, going back to this again, is because, okay, you think you have therapists out there that are taking Spa Finder and Spa Week and, you know, just annihilating themselves with Groupon, you know, but look at Uber, you know, Uber picks up people for rides last minute, you know, you have people that are literally, you know, going around looking for massage appointments, hair appointments, whatever, and they're going, who can do this, you know, who can do it? You know, and there are people that would rather, you know, not take that 20% loss on that fee, but there are other people that know they have bills due that would rather, you know, take that, take that little bit of fee and have a new client and then convert that client and get them to reschedule. You know, if you get that client rebooked, then what is that 20% over the course of a lifetime of a client, you know? So people in some instances are loyal to apps, you know, like we've talked about in our industry a million times that people, a lot of clients are loyal to Groupon, you know, they're not allowed, 
blah, blah, blah. they're not loyal to the client that they come to but this is such a new you know process and a new idea you know if somebody's looking for a last minute massage and they come in and they find you like if you sell it to them the right way like johnny and kelly let people mark their service up 20 percent. you know so you're charging a premium fee if they come in through the app rather than call you directly and come in you know then you just have got a lifetime client you know that rebooked with you but as much as people hate it sales <laughs> hold on just one second there we go so business marketing and sales that's always what they have problems with yes business marketing and sales you know before all this the number one kind of question that i had was how do i get more clients you know how do i fill my openings how do i deal with cancellations you know and so um i really kind of love this because it's a way to do all three you know yeah. Yes, you still have to know how to do your job and massage people well, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's another opportunity to have people find you other than having built that SEO, you know, help you build that credibility because people are leaving you reviews, yeah. you know, just, it, it's another door. It's another door that if you want it, you can open it, you know, yeah. um, with people all kind of staggering, being open and different things, you know, it, it's it's kind of like this, you know, if I don't know that you're open, I can't go see you, you know? Okay. So if I know you're open and I know you have an appointment and I know you have availability, I can go book with you, you know, especially if I go to this app and I'm looking for, you know, this service, this specific type of massage, and that's what your specialty is, you know, um, this type of, you know, service you know because now what we're doing we started out just dealing with hair and nails and massage and aesthetics and waxing now what we're doing is we're starting to branch out and we're starting to look at experiences and we're starting to look at you know the auto industry because you have people that can only do one car inspection at a time because of social distancing and having one person in the waiting room at a time you know, so there's a lot of opportunity there simply because of what's going on. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are people that won't open back up, you know, and people are not going to know who to go to if that's their normal person that just closed. So it's helping therapists, you know, receive kind of another opportunity. And it's still much less of a fee than Groupon, you know. And the owners are good, you know, local people. They own small businesses. And, you know, we're, we're doing a lot to, to build it back up because essentially, you know, they're at tanked with us too. They're going through the same things that we've been going through, you know, but it's, it's more of a community now because it's more like a, it's more like we're, we're kind of working together to market for our, our sales force and our businesses and, you know, kind of band these small businesses together and they've got a promotion that they're doing, you know, where whenever you refer five people, you get a hundred dollars and they're giving people up to $10,000, you know, and they're good for it. So, you know, people have a lot of time on their hands right now. People yeah. are strategizing, you know, trying to figure out how they're going to come back and who can is just another, you know, strategy. And it's very easy, very simple. You know, there's essentially no risk to it. So, so looks like we're uh, getting about to time here. I don't want to keep you much longer. Can sure. you tell people uh, where they can find you again if they were looking yeah. for online coaching, consulting? 
Sure. Um, so once again, you know, my name is Ashley Dwyer. I have the Massage Innovation Network for Therapists. We have a group, we have a page, we have a website. Um, you know, you can check out whocan.net if you want to learn more about that. Um, but that's where you can find me. Cool. Listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, if I can do anything for you in the future, feel free to reach out to me. And also maybe a week or two weeks from now, if you have something more specific you want to talk about and come on again, I'm happy to dive in like you're verbal, like I am. You have to get the gab. So if you want to go into like specific topics and talk about those, I'd be happy to do that. Sounds great. Thanks, cool. Robert. You're welcome. Listen, you have a great day. I'll see you soon. Thanks. You too. Good.